On March 20, 1856, some 400 mercenaries from the USA, Germany, and France arrived at Hacienda Santa Rosa in the northwest Guanacaste. After a long day's march, having invaded Costa Rica unopposed four days before, little did they know they were about to face a lightning battle and a shocking defeat that would give Costa Rica its proudest war story on its own soil and leave 26 of the invaders dead and 19 captured. Walker's men, known as filibuster, derived from a Dutch word for freebooter, a pirate, did not choose Santa Rosa as a place of battle, but as a place of rest, according to park ranger Johan Martinez of Santa Rosa National Park. So they didn't even bother to post a sentry. Led by an inexperienced commander from Hungary, Louis Schlesinger, these soldiers of fortune from Germany, France, New York, and New Orleans had invaded Costa Rica from Nicaragua on the orders of William Walker, the power-mad U.S. doctor and lawyer who already controlled Nicaragua and now aspired to capture each of his neighbors and turn them into slave states in a Central American empire under his personal control. What a nice man, huh? On March 1st, Costa Rica declared war on the new regime in Nicaragua, now run by a thin 32-year-old born in Nashville. Walker had a flag with a five-pointed star that said five or none, which meant Guanaca- or excuse me, Guatemala, Honduras, El Salvador, Nicaragua, and Costa Rica. He wanted to, to be king. Where would Walker go next? Well, he wanted to invade Guanacaste, the province that used to be Nicaraguan until it was annexed by Costa Rica 30 years before in 1824. In nor- on the northern end, it jutted into the mini isthmus between the Pacific Ocean and Lake Nicaragua, the very place where Walker helped to build or hoped to build a canal to enable ships to sail from New York to San Francisco. On March 20th, Walker's 400-man invasion force relaxed and kicked back at the nice Casona, which is big house or large country estate, little knowing that 700 Costa Rican soldiers were creeping up on them right now with horses, cannons, rifles, revolvers, sabers, and bayonets. They were ready for some action. The Costa Rican battle plan was simple, ancient, and ruthless. Surround the enemy and attack from the front, the left, and the right, with men lying in wait in the rear to kill or capture those who fled. The battle lasted only 14 minutes. The Costa Rican attack was so swift that the filibusters barely had time to put down their bottles of whiskey and find their rifles. The men inside the house might have been counting on the elements of strength, firepower, unity, audacity, white power, manifest destiny, and God's will. What they weren't counting on was the element of surprise. Colonel Lorenzo Salazar, with 280 men from San Jose, led the three-pronged charge on the Casona, supported by Captain Mateo Marlin and two small cannons. Figuring the doors would be locked, the Costa Ricans made their own doors with cannonballs, and they poured inside. The filibusters, who hadn't escaped yet, endured some unpleasant 
wet work when they were finished off with sabers and bayonets. Yet in Costa Rica's most stunning victory, the numbers tell a stunning story. Martinez said only 26 filibusters were killed and 19 were captured out of the force of 400, yet 20 Costa Ricans were killed and many wounded out of a force of 700. It was a lightning victory for the Ticos and a humiliating defeat for the foreigners, yet the death toll on both sides were roughly the same. Even stranger, why were 350 filibusters allowed to escape this fiasco? Didn't the Costa Ricans chase them? Well, according to Martinez, 27, who can recite the history like it was yesterday, and he was there, part of the reason there weren't more people killed is that our troops, according to the same commander, made a mistake. The troop that was assigned to the rear of the house did not carry out its orders according to the plan because there they made a wrong move. They advanced at a time when they shouldn't have, so they allowed the enemy troops, the Americans, to find the escape route. The troops waiting behind the casona, he said, were supposed to do just that, wait until the frontal attack forced the men inside to flee from the back of the house. The order of the attack was from the front, Martinez said, at the moment when the troops had the filibusters entrenched here inside, those in back were supposed to wait in case they tried to escape. But when the Costa Ricans attacked the Stone Corral, the men in back saw that the situation was a little difficult and they tried to attack the rear part of the house also, so they moved before their orders by about 10 minutes or so. In doing so, they handed the enemy a priceless gift, an escape route through the very place they were supposed to be guarding. The the filibusters ran for their lives. Didn't the Costa Ricans chase them? Martinez was asked. They had the upper hand. They had superior numbers. And after 14 minutes of battle, they, they certainly weren't tired. The Costa Ricans followed them for a certain distance but then turned back. The report says that many of the captains managed to capture enemies in flight, a total of 19, and after they found rifles, revolvers, sabers, and other weapons that the enemy left behind, including trunks with information about the filibusters with drawings of their plans. But why didn't the Costa Ricans chase them down and kill every one of them? This was was the biggest question to Martinez after an hour and a half of reading every word on the exhibit in the museum. The orders the army had was to advance from San Jose and attack Nicaragua. On the way there, fighting in Costa Rica was not an option. It could happen, but the idea was to attack them before they entered Costa Rican territory. So when they entered, when they crossed the border, the Costa Ricans were barely in Liberia. When they heard the news, they sent just one group of soldiers, a battalion, to this place. So when they won Santa Rosa, they asked for the rest to advance to continue on to Nicaragua because they knew that Nicaragua is where all the filibusters were. So to enter with a small group, they needed reinforcements. It's easy to judge the old battles from the safety of an armchair, but it seems that both the filibusters and the Costa Ricans committed major mistakes here. The filibusters for being totally unprepared and the Costa Ricans for having no end game, for letting the vast majority of the invasion force escape unharmed. The timidity would force the Costa Ricans to fight again 
and not on their own soil, but in Rivas, Nicaragua. In the Second Battle of Rivas, on April 11, 1856, about a month or so later, the Costa Ricans would once again put the filibusters to flight and once again not pursue them. Long story short, Walker licked his wounds by staging an election that made him president of Nicaragua. Imagine an 1850s Nicaraguan who had captured Virginia, got his butt kicked in North Carolina, and then staged a vote in Washington that declared him president of the United States. Well, the same thing happened in reverse in Nicaragua with Walker in the 1850s. Soon the armies of Guatemala, El Salvador, and Honduras joined the fight against the American Walker, who surrendered on May 1, 1857. But after being returned to the United States and freed, Walker published a book about his adventures, and then he returned to stir up more trouble in Honduras. Can you imagine that? What an idiot. The grand adventure ended as it should have, with Walker executed by firing squad in Honduras in 1860. The museum in La Carsona today does a superb job of telling the story with elaborate exhibits in English and Spanish to set the context, establish the uh, chronology, and narrate the events. La Carsona was virtually perfect in recounting every detail of the strategic importance of this place and everything memorable that had ever happened here with timelines, chronologies, artifacts, monuments, flax, uh, plaques and a graphic uh, with dotted arrows and color-coded positions to tell the story of the battle. So in any event, uh, this is a wonderful place to visit, Santa Rosa National Park, and be sure to go here. If you're going to the National Park, number one, you're going to see a lot of monkeys and a lot of wildlife, but on top of that, you can visit this museum and uh, see in person everything that we discussed today. I want to tell you how to get there real quick. From Liberia, drive north on the Inter-American Highway number 37 to the uh, brown sign pointing left to Santa Rosa National Park. The road all the way to the Casona is delightfully paved. You could drive here in a Ferrari, but slow down and watch for the animals. You can also take a bus from Liberia to La Cruz and ask the driver to drop you off at the park turnoff. Then take a taxi catch a ride with someone or hike to the park entrance a few miles to the southwest down the road. It says that the admission is $20 for foreigners and about $2 for uh, nationals and residents. There's so many places to see in Costa Rica and if you're up in Guanacosta you may want to spend a morning or early afternoon at the Santa Rosa National Park and be sure to see La Carsona. Thanks for listening and we'll see you tomorrow.